Volume. I'm Paul McNally, and in this episode, you're going to be hearing raw, honest accounts of how journalists and editors are coping during this time of COVID-19. My experience this past week with reporting coronavirus, and I think as a young health journalist, I've never reported on something um, this big before. This is Nelisiwe Musomi. She's a health reporter at Healthy News. I had to sit down and reflect on like how do we report on it in in a way that doesn't that is not fear-mongering. You're listening to Nelisiwe via a voice note sent over WhatsApp. That's how we're going to be producing this show. Reporters and editors are going to send us voice notes in their most intimate moments. And even despite the fact that even the human side of me that's not a journalist has to like deal with the fears of being like in public places, I think I've been more paranoid as a person. I clean my place even more than I usually did. You know, I'm like, so I'm very self-conscious about everything. You're listening to Media Diaries, the COVID-19 edition. This show is brought to you by Volume and the South Africa Media Innovation Program. For each episode, we are going to go inside a different news organization and explore the challenges that they are facing with reporting on COVID-19. And for this episode, we are with Healthy News. Healthy is a non-profit news center based in Johannesburg that covers health issues all across the country. Here's Nelisiwe again. What I've learned is that there's a need for more people to actually like learn what corona is. And the messaging around corona is not really hitting the ground. Um, and I think it needs to hit the ground earlier uh, than later because once it affects uh, the majority of the population, it will spread like wildfire, like wildfire because of how... Because of... How, how um you know the setup of like informal settlements and townships are that you know there's no luxury of self-isolation and so forth. Nelisiwe's colleague is Tabo Molalekwa. He is a journalist and manages the citizen journalism program at Healthy News. He has spent the last week in Germiston West, visiting a community that has been complaining about the lack of basic services, including water. Here's Tabo. The stench in this area is something unbearable. People have no water. They have nowhere to wash their hands. They have no toilets. There's nothing which is uh, related to running water. And on top of that, there's no even electricity. Of course, you can't tell the story of water and having places to wash your hands in these times without talking about COVID-19. I feel that it is very important for me to be here reporting on this story as people are living under unbearable conditions, how can you survive with water? People use plastics for a toilet at night because they don't have anywhere to go. They don't even have bins to throw rubbish. They throw everything just outside their doors. So as a health reporter, as a health journalist, I think it is in my position to write an article that will show the government that how are these people neglected uh, within the the, the the system? And what is it that the government must do to protect the lives of these people? Because I believe that everyone 
has a, a right to basic services. Tabu says these services are not being supplied in this community. And if I don't report about it, who's going to report about it? If I say I'm scared of COVID-19, I can't go to that community. So what will happen? Uh, those people are going to die. So what is it? So what I'm trying to say is that um, as a journalist, for me, I know the COVID-19 is there. I'm trying by all means to protect myself, but I can't uh, leave stories that need to be reported unreported. I'm here and I'm here to do my job. And after that, I will continue with what the government say we must do, protecting myself from COVID-19. But at the moment, I'm doing this story because it is important. It is going to save like the lives of many people in this community. Ponso Palani is the acting news editor for Healthy News. Here is the voice note she sent us. I remember sending a WhatsApp into the WhatsApp group and being like, everybody come with Corona stories tomorrow morning. We are having a diary meeting is just going to be about Corona. That was for Monday. And we did, you know, we talked. And I think even then we still, the urgency wasn't there. There were still jokes from some of the team. This joking in the newsroom stopped once the president made his first address on COVID-19. After the president's um, national address about corona and the measures that South African government would be taking, I think it kind of set in. I have been having a hard time over the past few months in terms of my anxiety, which I've been living for for five years. And I think... um, while I was already taking all the precautions, I, I was more consciously washing my hands. I'm a nail biter and I was like consciously not doing that. Ponso has been on several media platforms talking about how to conduct responsible reporting in these times. After the president's address, that was the first time I was questioning my own reporting and the reporting that I was leading in the newsroom. And whether it's whether we were doing the right thing, what are the ethical boundaries of protecting my team from possibly, con- you know, getting infected and getting the story? What was the recourse at, or on an organizational level for them? So it became a really big moral debate for me on a personal level. Not just on a personal level, but also on the level of just on a professional level. This week has been hard for me as an editor, having to send someone out on a story. I'm still struggling to accept it. I thought it would be easy, but I'm still struggling if I did the right thing or if it was wrong for me to send out someone while I was self-isolating and keeping safe. Here is Tabo again, the reporter who was sent out on that story that Ponso felt guilty about. So I'm here doing a story uh, about COVID-19 and water. Well, the government says the social distance between the people should be one meter, right? But for me as a reporter, I find that very difficult. I find it very difficult to maintain that distance when I do face-to-face interviews. Because um, I'm here now, I need to hold my Zoom recorder 
and being next to the person that I'm interviewing. So it is very, very difficult for me to maintain uh, that distance. So it is uh, not easy for me to say I can be able to prevent uh, COVID-19 between me and the people I'm interviewing. But Tabo says that he feels committed to covering his stories regardless. And the other thing I'm also facing is that um, we know that um, for people who are using public transport, such as me, I use public transport. Well, um, in the taxi ranks for now, the the government has uh, distributed sanitizers and all that. But the thing is when now you are inside a taxi, I catch a taxi from Tutuza to Johannesburg and Johannesburg to Tutuza every day. And now, here is the problem. I stay in a taxi for about 45 minutes to an hour sometimes, depending on the traffic, to get to Johannesburg. So the social distance doesn't work, obviously, in the taxis. We are 15. There's no, there's no something called a social distance in a taxi. And getting to Johannesburg, uh, after an hour while sitting next to the other person, it is very, very, very difficult to say I can be able to prevent myself from getting COVID-19 while I'm in a taxi. And same applies to other people too. They're also facing that problems that there's nothing they can do, but they have to get to work. We understand that there are companies that say their employees must stay at home, uh, but they are people who can't work from home. They need to be physically on the job. Like me today, I can be able to work from home because I work using my laptop. But when I need to go to a store, I have to travel. A week goes by. It's Sunday. And Ponso sends us another voice note from the Northwest, where she is visiting her family. So it's about quarter past 6 p.m. on Sunday. And um, my corona fee-ish weekend is almost over. As I said the last time, I've been struggling with a lot of anxiety. Leaving Johannesburg was quite stress relieving for me, particularly. Um, so I got to like be in the Northwest and really talk about Corona still with my family. Um, my parents were asking a lot about myths, like should. Uh, is drinking hot water going to help kill the virus? Just for the record, drinking hot water does not kill COVID-19. And I taught my nine-year-old nephew how to wash his hands properly. And he then went to wash his hand about 20 times in one evening. So it was fun. And I'm also happy to like have had my grandmother, who's 82 and it was her birthday, um, be very very conscious of it like she refused to hug anyone she's very adamant on keeping social distance and it was so nice to see that so even though like my weekend was supposed to be like time not thinking about coronavirus I thought about it but it was in less stressed inducing ways for example like we were driving around my grandmother's village earlier on and all the bottle stores were closed and you know when you go into supermarkets here you get sanitized and it just shows that even in the rural areas people are taking corona quite seriously and even in like the pick and pays and other stores here all the sanitizers all the hand washes are sold out so that's for me it's a good sign 
Nelisiwe has primarily been struggling with working away from her colleagues. I think how it's affected my week at work, I think it's, it's been tough working away from my colleagues. Um, you know, I, I, I do like writing when I write being alone, but like not having um, people to bounce off ideas and like having a soundboard can do it over the phone, but it's not the same as like human interaction. And like the limitation of like human interaction um, is, 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 I think is starting to get to me as a person. Nelisiwe is currently glued to social media as a substitute for human interaction. It's not the same as seeing somebody and like, you know, limiting touch. Even when I went out for to buy a few grocery items, I met like an old friend and I was like, I couldn't touch her. I had not seen her in years. So, yeah, it's a completely new world. I think it's the, the coronavirus is really what it's forcing us into is unusual human behavior. It's like She says that there is nothing normal about what is happening. And to defeat it, we need to act abnormally. Like a religious perspective as a Muslim person. Like it really frustrates me that a lot of like our mosques, there was resistance to closing down mosques and like religious leaders not seeing um, why mosques need to close down and why the importance of social distancing and social isolation and how even that is part of what Islam teaches, you know, but when, when a pandemic uh, arrives, you need to think about other human first uh, because like Islam is like a social justice religion and having like religious leaders not seeing it in that way has been like a very frustrating part of my behalf and having like to teach people within my Muslim community about the importance of social distancing and self-isolation and why we need to do it and how we as a Muslim community need to contribute uh, to fighting uh, COVID-19 in this way by closing down our places of worship and making sure that our homes are places of worship. Kate Skinner is the executive director at the South African National Editors Forum. And she had this to say on how journalists should handle the crisis. She also very kindly sent us a voice note. I'm sitting at home at the moment with my teenage daughters, my husband, all at home with me. Um, And um, I'm finding this whole period of the coronavirus extremely uh, difficult to deal with. The main point Kate wants to get across is around self-care. I think it's very important as journalists that we look after ourselves. And I think we're generally very bad at that. So I've got four pointers, and these come from the excellent website First Draft that is looking at these issues in, in some detail. So the first thing is to keep work and life separate. When you're living and working from home, that's quite tricky, and you need to do that. The other thing, which is important, point two, is that you need to check in regularly with colleagues. Really important that you um, don't feel isolated, that you check in about psychological health and other well-being. And then point three is that it's really important that you create a self-care plan uh, so that you make sure that you are um, getting enough sleep, enough food, enough walks, um, all of those kinds of things. You know, time for for you just just relax, meditate. Um, And then I think the final point that I want to make is that 
you need to be kind to yourself. This is a particular stressful time. And often we forget um, in these crazy times that very important principle of being kind to others, but also to yourself. Kate also has advice for newsrooms. What I think is important is to ensure that media houses um, allow as many of their staff as possible to stay from home, stay at home and work from home. Uh, but obviously, there are key people that they need to send out on assignments so that we cover the virus um, in a 360-degree um, way. But I think that when we send people out as media houses, we need to make sure that journalists' um, safety is uh, paramount. And I think that sometimes um, we are a bit blasé about these issues and I think that we can't afford that attitude. Kate's key piece of advice for journalists who need to go out into the field is to plan their trip extremely carefully. And also the media house needs to make sure that nobody with um, any um, health problems or compromised immunity system is is is, is sent out. I think that um, also what needs to happen is that journalists need to go out with the correct pr- protective gear and also they need to be very careful when they're out there to not unnecessarily um, put themselves in danger. Uh, stay away from people who are coughing and sneezing, washing their hands all the time um, before they um, come into the site, during, after. And also I think another thing that is incredibly important um, is to make sure that post the assignment uh, that journalists um, watch their symptoms um, and make sure that um, you know if they see that there's anything that is 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 problematic that they immediately tell their bosses um, self isolate stay at home. So I think what what I'm saying is that we need to plan plan and plan and not take unnecessary risks. These are the things I think that we need to look at as journalists um, and also as editors sending journalists out on assignment. It's the following day, March the 23rd, and here is the voice note Ponso sends us. So um, today's Monday morning, it's about 10.47, and I'm driving back from Muruleng, which is the village I come from, and I'm driving back to Joburg. Ponso is driving her red picanto fast. The president was meant to have given an address last night, but abruptly he cancelled. And the reason this drive is quite important is the fact that we suspect, and by we I mean like the media and kind of just like conversations that's been happening with sources that um, Gauteng is going to get, is going to be put on lockdown because it seems like it is the epicenter of the COVID outbreak in South Africa. And um, it's quite important for me to be in Gauteng when the lockdown happens. I'm nervous about it because like for, on like a logistical level of like life and personal like errands and all that but also in terms of what it means for journalism like I am sitting here thinking that I'm not so sure I want to be on the front line of reporting on this because of the uh, chance of of, of getting infected and not because I have a problem with being infected but I'm in contact with people in my life who are subject who have low immune system that evening of course the president did declare a lockdown starting on Thursday the 26th of March I'm excited um, to like report on a lockdown 
and like to just see it happen as well, like the curiosity of seeing it happen. I think also as I was talking to some of the journalists that I work with at Health E, we're just talking about how, um, you know, are we essential staff as media people, as media practitioners? And if we will be allowed restricted movement of some sort or what, yeah, what are the, what are the protocols for journalists during a lockdown like this? And I'm looking forward to hearing more about that tomorrow. So I ended the week very fatigued of Corona and I'm starting a new week with Corona being an energizer. This journalism thing is crazy and it's an up and down, but it's a wonderful journey and what a time to be alive. This has been Media Diaries, the COVID-19 edition. I'm Paul McNally. The show has been brought to you by Volume and the South Africa Media Innovation Programme. Check out more information about the show either at www.volume.africa or at SAMIP's website, samip.mdif.org. That's samip.mdif.org. The music for this series is composed by John Bartman. Next week, we will go inside another media organization and see how they are coping and innovating when it comes to reporting on this crisis. Goodbye. Volume.